You know, we have been, uh, or we started, if you will, last Sunday, a new series uh, uh, called Build to Last. And uh, we thought it appropriate during this time that we are in a, a building program, we've moved into this new facility, that we talk about uh, building not just this facility to last and have the impact that we believe God desires for it to have on uh, on our community, but to build our lives to last. We've been, we've been looking at the life of Moses in particular, and Moses is such a fascinating uh, man, and his story is so fascinating in Scripture because here you take a person that otherwise uh, many would think was not qualified, and, and yet God chose him, and God picked him, and God qualified him and equipped him to do an incredible thing. He he was responsible for leading a group of probably a little over 2 million people out of Egyptian bondage and into the promised land, the destiny that God had for his people. And, and if you think it's, if you ever think that you want to be in charge of anything, then I encourage you to go read the book of Exodus. Because what you're going to quickly learn uh, by uh, looking at Moses' life and uh, the leadership call that God placed in his life, you're going to learn that leadership isn't everything that it's cracked up to be. That sometimes, nobody at North Place in Durban, but sometimes people can be hard to lead. All right, there's a few of you. Let me, let me say it this way. Sometimes... You know, we all are, oh, we want our destiny. We want to live our destiny. We want to live our dream. Sometimes your destiny is hard. Sometimes the things that God has put inside of you is going to stretch you beyond your, well, let's say it differently. When God calls you, when God has a plan and a destiny for your life, I can guarantee you from the testimony of Scripture, it's going to stretch you beyond your comfort zone. It's going to require things of you that don't come natural to you. God wasn't looking at Moses' Enneagram type or his personality type and using that criteria to determine who he was going to choose to lead his people. In fact, what we learn about Moses and his personality type and even his talents and abilities, that the very things that God called him to do was beyond his capacity. In fact, Scripture t tells us that's exactly the kind of criteria that God uses. He chooses people and to stretch beyond their personality type, to stretch beyond their gift set because he wants to show his might and his power, and he wants to show that he's building our lives to last and make the impact that he's designed them to make. Well, last Sunday, we talked about a first principle uh, from Moses' life as it relates to building to last. And that first principle is this, is that God designed us to thrive in community. God designed us to thrive in community. God, by his very nature, as a triune God, exists in community. Scripture teaches us that he's never done anything alone, but he chooses to do everything in cooperation with the Godhead that he himself exists in community. Therefore, we, being created in his image, have also been called to be people who exist, and not just exist, but thrive in community. We have to learn 
to trust people. And that's hard. Many of us don't exist in community. And because we don't exist in community, because we don't trust people, we try to do everything on our own. And in trying to do everything on our own, what ends up happening is that we burn out. Anybody here ever experienced burnout? People are experiencing burnout like never before. And oftentimes the reason for burnout among all the pressure and the stress and all the things that happen in life, the main reason for burnout is often because people are trying to do everything on their own. And, and you know the cycle. I know the cycle. We all have had somebody who's promised to do something for us or do something with us and they let us down, right? And because people let you down, you develop a coping mechanism or a safety mechanism in your life where you end up not trusting other people. You just try to pull yourself up by your bootstraps or put it all on your shoulders and do it yourself because you learn in life that you can't trust people. The problem is, is that creates now a cycle in our life because none of us are capable of doing it all on our own. So I don't trust other people, so I try to do it on my own, but ultimately I can't do it on my own, so I end up burning out, and then what do I do? I teach other people that they can't trust me. And so that vicious cycle just continues. Well, we learned last week that we can't live in that cycle. Instead, we have to bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We have to live and dwell in community. And everything in our world right now is pushing us towards isolation and being by ourselves. And, and, and I, look, I'm, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a government official. If you are perceiving anything I'm saying as being critical of anybody, that's not the point. I'm just telling you the state of the world. The state of the world at the moment is to push us in isolation. And that isolation is not healthy. It's not good for us because it's not the way that God created us. Not only does God want us to exist in community and to rely on one another, trust one another, he also wants us to trust him. See, God's desire, and this is what we're going to talk about today, God desires us to find strength through trusting him. Let me say that again. God desires us to find strength through trusting him. The second principle that we're going to talk about from the life of Moses is exactly that. It's the trust God, the trust principle. As you read the book of Exodus, when you get to Exodus chapter 13 and 14, you find this just miraculous moment in the life of Moses and God's people. They have just come out of Egyptian bondage. They just have left Egypt. Uh, Pharaoh has... Uh, said you can go after uh, the curse of the firstborn uh, being, being killed. Uh, Pharaoh says go. And so uh, the people, they go out into the wilderness and you start, you start reading in chapter 13. God begins to establish among the people certain practices that would cause them to remember well their story of deliverance. So he begins to give them instructions in chapter 13. He says, I want, you to, I want you to do this feast, and I want you to do this activity, and I want you to offer this kind of sacrifice, and I want you to develop these patterns in your life so that you will remember well what I've done for you. And so he tells them specifically some things to do so that it will be embedded in their heart. But then, but then he says this. He says, I want you to do these things so that it's embedded into the heart of your children. In other words, so that your story of deliverance is transgenerational. Um, one of the things that I've learned through the years in my parenting, 
um, is that I really haven't done a good job telling my children all my stories. There are times that I'll be in a moment and I'll start telling a story from my childhood or I'll tell a story of an event that happened in my life. And it's crazy how many times my kids will be like, I've never heard that story before. And, and it's, it always shocks me when they say that, and it actually creates conviction in my life because what it's telling me is that I haven't done a good job being transgenerational in passing on the story of my deliverance or the story of faith that God has built inside of me. And so God tells his people as a way of building trust in them, pass on your story. And, and as you see God embedding these practices into the Israelites, they come to this moment in time in which they, they come to the sea and, and there's the desert on one side and there's the sea on the other side. And it's so fascinating if you read chapter 13 because it looks like they're at a dead end. It looks like their great story of deliverance is about to turn into a flop, like a story of abysmal failure. But the fascinating thing is when you read chapter 13 is chapter 13 of Exodus tells us that's exactly the way that God planned it. That he hemmed them in into a place of desperation in which if he didn't show up, they were goners. He did it on purpose because he wanted to show his glory in their lives. And he wanted to embed the story of deliverance so deeply into their hearts. But not just into their hearts, into the minds of the nations. Because once again, God always blesses us so that we can be a blessing to the nations. That's just a principle of the kingdom. And, and so here they are hemmed in and God has Land this entire story and and pharaoh sees that they're hemmed in by the red sea and he says okay here's our chance we're going to go take these people back we should have never allowed them to go free and so he gets his chariots and his army and sure enough he goes out to go get the people to destroy the people and bring them back into slavery and the people even after all of the miracles that god has done even after the incredible deliverance that he's brought in their life, the people began to gripe and complain to Moses. Now, again, I know no one at North Place Church in Durban ever gripes and complains. But these people, these people, even after all of the miracles, they still doubted God. Is there anybody here today that ever finds yourself in a dead-end, no-end situation and even after everything God has done for you, you still struggle with doubt? Come on, I need a witness today so I'm not by myself. The people were still struggling with doubt even after God had done these incredible miracles. How many times have we said, God, if you'll do this for me, I'll never doubt you again. God, if you'll give me the money to pay this bill, I'll never doubt you again. God, if you'll heal me in this situation, I'll praise you forever. Hello? And in that moment, yes, victory, praise the Lord. But you find yourself again in a situation where, oh, wow. God, why did you take me out of Egypt? You know, at least I, you know, I was a slave there, but at least I got something. I mean, at least in Egypt, these people said, Moses, why did you bring us out into the wilderness? Were there not enough graves in Egypt? We could have died there. 
That's how smart Alec they got with God and Moses. And I have to be honest, I find myself in those situations sometimes where I say, God, why did you bring me so far only to let me down right now? But what they didn't understand was that God was designing all of this for, for their good. He wanted to once and for all rid them of the enemy being on their back. And so you see the story and God brings them uh, to this place and these people are, are becoming fearful. I want to read to you from Exodus chapter 14. I'm going to read verses 13 and 14 to you. It says this. It says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Everyone say afraid. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. Wow. On the one side, Pharaoh is coming with his armies. They're coming with their armies and he's ready to destroy them. And God says, don't be afraid. Don't allow yourself to be shaken. Don't allow yourself to be overwhelmed. God is saying to these people, this isn't the end of the story. I'm still God. I'm still in control. Get this. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Somebody here today has been fighting a battle that just keeps coming back over and over and over again. You thought you got free of the Egyptians, but you turn around and there they are. Hello? You get a little bit of victory, and then you turn around and there they are. God said, Moses, tell those people that once and for all, once and for all, I'm going to get the enemy off their back. Once and for all, I'm going to break the yoke of slavery. Once and for all, I'm going to break the pull of the enemy on them. I'm going to break the power of the enemy to create fear in their life. Once and for all, I'm going to settle in your heart that I am God and I am in control and the Egyptians are not. You're never going to see them again. Who would like to get such a victory in your life that you never see it again? Hello? Some of us here today, God has wrought victory after victory after victory in our life, but it's like we're dragging the enemy with us everywhere we go. God's word to the people and to Moses was, I want to create such a trust. I want to create such a victory in your life that you never have to look at it again. God wanted to teach Moses and the children of Israel the trust principle in this moment, this moment that seemed like certain defeat. There's three things I wanted you to see really quickly today from what Moses taught or God was teaching Moses and these people. If you and I are going to live out the trust principle, the first thing is this, you have to learn to take control of your emotions. You have to learn to take control of your emotions, you have to learn to trust God. If you and I are going to learn to trust God, we have to take control of our emotions. Look what God said. God said, Moses, tell the people, do not 
be afraid. I, sometimes I, I just get so frustrated. I know you believe your pastor doesn't get frustrated, but I do. And one of the things that frustrates me is this narrative in the world that exists that you and I, somehow or another, have to be a slave to our emotions. That we're powerless to let our emotions rule our lives. Listen, friend, you are a triune creation, just like God is a triune God. You have a part of you that is your body. It is, it is your flesh. It is your chemistry. It exists. There's, there's protons and neurons, and there's dendrites, and there's all this stuff going on in your brain, and there's all these things that are firing inside of you and creating within you these emotional moments and response. So you, you have a body. You have a spirit, which is eternal, and you have a soul which is your mind will and emotions and what I don't understand is that so many times we act as if we are a slave to our emotions that we are a slave to our 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 body's chemistry look I understand the way that it works I've read lots of books about it I, I get it you don't have to keep telling me we have different chemistries we we have different emotional responses to moments and situations but you and I have to decide what are we going to allow to rule us And what God continually was trying to teach his people is you're going to feel things and you're going to feel it deeply. And when you feel it, you don't have to run from those feelings. You can own those feelings. But God's word to his people is you don't allow those feelings to rule you. Instead, you've got to allow your spirit to rise up inside of you and to speak to your feelings. You have to allow your spirit to rise up inside of you and to speak to your body's chemistry. You have to say... I know I feel this way, but I know what is true. God said to the Israelites, you have to choose to not be afraid. Pastor, how do I do do that? How do I choose to not be afraid? I mean, I get into this situation, and I, I see the Egyptians coming. I, I see the bill that's going to be due. I, I, I get the medical report. How do I choose to not be afraid? Well, it's the concept that we've been teaching you over and over again here at North Place Church, which is this. You have to learn the discipline of worship. Worship is that place that you come to where you, by faith, connect with your spirit, and you connect with the Holy Spirit, and you begin to testify of the truth of God's word word even when you don't feel it this is why we teach you to worship this is why we teach you to read God's word this is why we teach you to meditate on God's word and allow God to speak to you this is why we teach you to pray and to confess uh, your your feelings and your thoughts and your emotions to God when you read scripture what you read is God is never shaken by our honest confession God's identity, his character, his nature, his power is not threatened when Randy's honest with him. His identity as God never changes. Regardless of how I feel, regardless of what my circumstance is, he's still God. He still stands. He's still powerful and capable of all things. He's never within question. What's within question is how I feel. And so when I come to him and I say, God, this is how I feel. This is how I see things. But 
I choose, I choose to not be afraid. I choose to trust you. I choose to confess your word. I choose to declare your praise in spite of my feelings. We all remember what it was like to be 11, 12, 13 years old when, you know, all that stuff was going on in our bodies. And, and, and you just, you know, you just, you get up one morning and you do, right? You can't control it. I mean, it's out of control. There's all this stuff going on. Somehow or another, it's as if, it's as if we have forgotten the capacity that you that you learn in those early years to begin to take control of your emotions and begin to speak truth over how you feel. Friend, the life of faith is a life in which we make the decision. I'm going to I'm going to live I'm going to live not how I feel, but I'm going to live according to what I know is true. God said Moses, chapter 13, he said, Moses, tell the people to hold this festival, to do these practices, because it's going to remind them of what's true, even when their circumstance isn't aligning with it. See, God said, embed within your heart the story of faith, because there's going to be moments when you need to tell yourself a story. And the story is this, God is bigger. He's bigger than Pharaoh, he's bigger than the army, he's bigger than the circumstance, he's bigger than the bill, he's bigger than the disease, he's bigger than the circumstance. And if it isn't true, if I haven't seen it in my story, well, I'm going to collect somebody else's story. See, Moses said, tell the kid, tell the people to do these things so they could teach their children. Why? Because the story of God is a transgenerational story. It's a story that we share with each other. This is why community is important because there are times when you've gone through something that I'm about to go through. And when I'm going through it, I need your story. Because when you tell me your story of when God healed you, when you tell me your story of when God came through in a circumstance that was beyond your control, when you tell me your story of the financial miracle that God has done for you, what does it do? It enriches my life in such a way that I can take hold of a truth about God that may not align with how I feel or my circumstance. A mature, healthy person. Let me say that again. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to speak truth to you. A mature, healthy person controls their emotions. The second thing that we learn, or excuse me, let me read this to you. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. You guys need to mark this down and go back and read this again later. This This is what God says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings. Not on your own understandings. Get this. In all your ways, submit to him. Losing my battery pack. In all your ways, submit to him. Wait, you mean submit to him when this is going on? When I feel like this? When it's... The bills are due. When this, in all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your path straight. You know what I've learned? I've learned when there's unsurrendered ways, the road seems really crooked. 
When there's unsurrendered parts of my heart, my mind, my will, my emotions, when there's unsurrendered parts of who I am, things seem complicated. But when all of my ways are surrendered to him, the path seems straight. If you're dealing with crooked paths today, the question I would encourage you to ask yourself, is there some part of your heart or life that is not surrendered? Is there some part of your finances that are not surrendered? Is there some part of, of, of your job or, or the job that you're doing or your career path that's not surrendered? If, if all of your ways seem crooked, are your relationships really surrendered to God? Are your emotions surrendered to Him? First thing we have to do is we have to learn to control our emotions and surrender all our paths. The second thing that we see from what God instructed Moses to tell the people is this. You have to, I have to adjust your perspective toward your preferred future. You have to adjust your perspective toward your preferred future. God said, listen, Moses... Tell the people, do not be afraid. Get this. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. These Egyptians that keep hunting you down, you're never going to see them again. In that moment, as you read there in Exodus chapter 13 and 14, the Bible says that the Egyptians were coming. They were, they were pushing them in against the sea. And God says to the people, you got to determine what you're going to look like. Look at. You're either going to look ahead at the deliverance that I'm about to bring you. You're either going to look forward to the direction that I'm bringing you, the direction that I'm taking you, the direction of deliverance in which you're not going to be harassed by the enemy any longer. You're either going to focus on that or you're going to focus on Egypt and the way that Egypt is bearing down on you. God said, if you want to trust me, if you want to live in the blessing that I have for you, if you want to dwell in the promised land, the only way to get there is to focus forward on the promise that I've made you. Let me ask you a question this morning. What are you focusing on? What is your confession? What do you talk about? What are you declaring? What do you speak of? There's so many times in my life I just feel like people have to think I'm crazy. When I talk about what, what we're going to do in this building, four years ago when, when, when we moved here and we were going to plant this church, I remember having conversations with people and looking at them and they had the most bewildered look on their face. Like, who is this guy and why in the world does he think any of this can happen? But see, I learned a long time ago that God is God, and when he says something, he's going to do it. And I can spend all of my time and all of my energy focused on Egypt, focused on my problems, focused on my situations, or I can spend my time and my energy focused on the preferred future, the place that God has called me. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to sing about it. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to write about it. I refuse to use my life up on the curse of the enemy, the attack of the enemy. I refuse to talk about it all the time. I refuse to be weighed down by it all the time. I refuse to live in the slavery of my past. See, here's the thing. God 
had delivered them out of slavery, but they wanted to go back. They wanted to go back to slavery rather than going forward into all that God had for them. What is it about us that longs for the comfort of slavery? It's why abusive, abused people go back to abusive relationships. It's why people who've long since been free of habits that were destroying their life go back to those habits. There's something about our broken nature that when we don't allow the Holy Spirit to redeem, it causes us to quickly move back towards those things that desire our destruction. If you and I are going to live in the fullness of all that God has for us, if we're really going to trust Him, then we have to adjust our perspective and start speaking and declaring and living in that preferred future that God has for us. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes. Everyone say, fixing our eyes. What are you focused on? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Pastor Randy, my faith is weak. I'm struggling with trust. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Pastor, I'm struggling with doubt and anxiety and fear. You just don't understand. It's how I'm wired. It's who I am. No, friend, it's who you were. Ah, you got to get this. It's who you were before Jesus. No, you don't understand. My doctor said, it's my brain chemistry. It's what your brain chemistry was. God is a healer. Amen. Some of us believe the doctor more than we believe God's word. Some of us believe what our body's telling us rather than what the creator of our body has declared over us. Whoa. Some of us believe what was true about us in Egypt more than we believe about who God called us and created us to be in his kingdom. We live like a slave even though we have been created to be kings and queens. You and I must come to a place that we fix our eyes on Jesus. And then number three. Number three, you and I have to practice active stillness. Now that's confusing. Listen, God said, tell, Moses, tell the people, all you got to do is be still. If you will be still, you're going to see me do what I promised you I'm going to do. Am I the only one in the room that has a problem with taking things into my own hands? I mean, you hit me into a corner, you get me into a situation, and I tell you, I promise you, it's, it's, who, it's, it's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to find a way to solve the problem. I'm going to try to find the way to fix it. You know, that's a good characteristic. That's a great, that's a great characteristic. It frustrates me when people just stand around doing nothing. But here's the thing. God said... God said to the people, 
said Moses, listen, stand still and believe. Stand still and trust. Stand still and watch actively. Look forward to that which I'm doing in your life. There's something powerful about stillness. There's something powerful, but here's what's confusing about the instructions that God gave the people. He said, stand still, but march. He told them to march into the sea and watch. He, he said to Moses, he said, Moses, what are you doing? Go get out into the water and watch. I'm going to part the waters. He told them to stand still and march at the same time. You may say, Pastor, how does that work? How does he tell you to stand still and march at the same time? Is it possible that the standstill that he was talking about is an internal standstill? Isn't it possible that it's a state of being? Is it possible that what God was saying to his people, you just trust me, you be at peace, you obey me, you do what I tell you to do, but while you're doing what I tell you to do, you believe that I'm going to be God. See, we have to learn to practice active stillness. We have to learn to practice obedient stillness where we follow the direction of God that when he goes and tells us to go stand in the water, even though it's a sea, that we just obey. That when he tells us to move to South Africa and plant a church, that we just obey. That when he tells us to by faith move into that next job, that next company, that next relationship, whatever it may be, that we just obey as in our spirit we are quiet and still and are trusting him. Practicing active stillness. Psalms chapter 46 verse 10 says this. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. See, in that passage of scripture that we are learning from in Exodus 13 and 14, if you read it, it was by God's design that he created this moment, what they felt like was a crisis because God said, I want to demonstrate to Egypt and I want to demonstrate to the nations and I want to demonstrate to you that I am God. You and I must learn to be still. And is it, is it possible that there's something about the stillness that creates revelation in our lives? Is it possible that we're oftentimes in such a frenzy, that we're oftentimes running around trying to solve things and fix things so much ourselves that we can't see God? I've been telling you this for a couple months now, we are in a moment where God is teaching us something. We better have ears to hear. He's writing a story that includes you that you're going to pass on to your children and your children's children if you'll engage it. He's doing the miraculous in the middle of a pandemic. And I've been telling you this for months, as much as he's doing it in us collectively, he wants to do it in your life individually. Some of you are being chased down by the Egyptians over and over 
and over again. And today is the day that you and I learn to live the trust principle and allow God to begin to actualize in our life the truth that he is our deliverer and our provider. Can I pray for you, Father? I thank you so much for what you are doing. I thank you for this story that you are writing. The legend, the legend of what you did in 2021. You're writing on the hearts of the people of this church. The way that you provided the way that you provoked generosity within the hearts of people to give and to serve and to sacrifice, to build the impossible in the face of the impossible. God, only you could do that. And you're writing that story in our hearts collectively. But Lord, I believe you desire to write it in the hearts of us individually. There are people in the room right now who need freedom. They need deliverance. They need the enemy that's been chasing them down. That's been pressuring them. That's been nagging them. They need that enemy taken out. And God, I believe today is the day Today is the day where we see freedom. God, you are a miracle-working God, so I pray right now for every situation. God, where healing is needed, God, I ask you provide healing in Jesus' name. God, where miracles are needed financially, I pray miracles right now in Jesus' name. God, in circumstances where relationships need reconciliation, Lord, I pray Bring reconciliation in Jesus' name once and for all. God, whatever's going on in folks' lives, once and for all, break the back of the enemy. Wash him away in your might and power. Show your glory. God, we as your people, we make a choice today. We're going to take control of our emotions. My emotions will not rule me. I'm a person of the Spirit, and the Word says to walk in the Spirit. And so, Lord, I'm going to walk in the Spirit, not my emotions. I acknowledge them. I know they're there. But, Lord, I, I call them to surrender to my Spirit in Jesus' name. God, I choose to focus my eyes on you, on your promises, and on your Word that are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. Lord, ultimately, 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 I come to a place of peace, of active stillness, where I move forward in obedience to the activity that you tell me to do, but I'm not going to be frantic on the inside. Instead, I'm going to be still. I'm going to know. I'm going to trust. I'm going to be led by peace. Jesus, I speak over every heart and life right now in Jesus' name. I speak peace over every heart and every life right now in Jesus' name. Amen.